So that's why the Satanic Bible doesn't really make a whole lot of sense as an exorcism tool. Still with revenge, they're going to want that money. That's what I'm thinking. Seems like something, something good that would bring the demon forth. I'm also curious about this 11-page hate letter. This week on The Brothers Grimm, Jeremy tells us the story of the disappearance and murders of the Jameson family. Yeah, so as I was looking through, um, you know, my backlog of cases and stories that I find. You have a creepy. backlog of cases and stories? Well, you know, I, I keep a running log of all the things that just creep me out uh, from crazy podcasts. <laughs> that doesn't really surprise me. I know, I know. Well, listen, I, everybody has to have their own hobby. That's mine. Um, it's a weird hobby. I know. <laughs> we're going to be doing a story about you one day? Maybe. You never know. Uh, it'd be weird because I'd like to tell my own story. So, um, but this one kind of stuck out because it was just, it was creepy from beginning to end. The 2009 disappearance of the Jameson family, Bobby, Sherilyn, and six-year-old Madison, captured the media's attention and the public's interest because of the bizarre backstory associated with it. Here was a family caught on camera acting like zombies who believed that they were haunted by ghosts or tormented by demonic spirits when they suddenly fell off the radar. In 2013, their bodies were found, and while it was impossible to determine each individual's cause of death, they are believed to have been murdered. But who killed them, and why, remains a mystery. The chilling backstory may or may not have anything to do with what happened to the Jameson family, but it's incredibly fascinating nonetheless. So who were the Jamesons? Bobby and Sherilyn Jameson were eager to get away from a life filled with turmoil, and start over in the mountains. Where are they from? They are from Oklahoma. Isn't there, isn't there mountains already in Oklahoma? Well, there are, but they wanted to be more secluded in the mountains. It's an interesting uh, decision to move to the mountains, become mountain people. I know, right? So that's, that's where it gets a little more interesting, and we'll get to that in a minute. Things were not easy inside the Jameson home. A car accident in 2003 had left Bobby with chronic back pain, which affected his mood for obvious reasons. Sherilyn suffered from bipolar disorder, which had been prescribed medication, but more times than not, she chose not to take it. Because Sherilyn's disorder was poorly controlled, she was often experiencing bouts of severe depression and would angrily lash out at people in her life, including her husband, Bobby. Mm, that's, that's very sad. Like, like angrily as in like harm? He would, she, she would harm him? Probably more verbal than physical, I would imagine, but... There could have been physical abuse there as well. Hmm. It's no surprise then that the Jamesons' marriage was under a great deal of stress. Now here's where the story departs from what I would consider the acceptable and becomes downright creepy. For the most part, the couple kept to themselves, and within the confines of their home, they were deeply spiritual individuals. However, this wasn't always a positive thing in their lives. Bobby and Sherilyn believed that their home was being invaded by dark spirits, so they confided in a local pastor about their concerns. Little Madison had started talking to an imaginary friend named Emily, and although it was considered completely normal for children her age to have an imaginary friend, Sherilyn believed Emily was actually a malevolent entity. Bobby, too, had developed a paranoia about the family being haunted by evil. At one point, he asked the pastor if he knew anywhere where he could purchase special bullets to shoot a handful of spirits whom he said were living on the roof of his family's home. 
as my brother Joey would would agree with me, as fans of the the CW show Supernatural, there are special uh, demon killing bullets. Yeah, but that's not like it's not like you can use a silver bullet to kill a ghost. This is very true. This you, is very you true. You got to use rock salt in a in cart in shotgun shell. Yep, demon strap. See, this is outside my knowledge. <laughs> I don't know. Anything this is why about we this. keep telling you to watch the show. I wa- I started watching like the first couple seasons and then I got bored. Bobby was also planning on trying to exercise the spirits in the home with the help of a copy of the Satanic Bible that he had purchased. Well, doesn't the Catholic Church have a, an exorcism Bible that they use? Not a Satanic Bible, but don't they have like a... I think a, it's like a guide. It's like a guide, yeah, that tells you all the all the right chants to say. Exactly. So that's why the Satanic Bible doesn't really make a whole lot of sense hmm. as an exorcism tool. Seems like something, something that would bring the demon forth. Yeah, for sure. If you take the disappearance of the Jamesons at face value, it seems pretty simple. A family traveled to a mountainous area where they were probably murdered by a crazy mountain person. But maybe, maybe not. With nothing more than three skeletons to go on, the police were forced to dig into the family's background, and what they found raised more questions than answers. There were only three skeletons? How many family members were there? Just three. Bobby, Sherilyn, and Madison. Okay, the daughter Madison. Daughter Madison, six years old. Imaginary friend. Oh, that's, maybe that's why I counted four. <laughs> yeah, that skeleton wouldn't be found because she's imaginary. Right. The police found video surveillance from outside of the Jamesons You Follow Home. In it, Bobby and Sherilyn were seen walking back and forth from their house to their truck, loading items in a zombie-like trance. Neither person appears to speak. On the Investigation Discovery series, Disappeared, a policeman was interviewed for the show, stating that the couple had made about 20 trips back and forth, and sometimes they weren't carrying anything at all. At times, they stopped and stood in place with a vacant stare on their faces. Yeah, that's creepy. I mean, imagine imagine seeing that on your on your camera, on your outdoor cam. Just two people. Those cameras already look a little weird, too. Like grainy footage. Grainy kind of like and... Half-framed. Yeah. Right. Perhaps the family was simply hyper-focused, but think about it. How likely is it that two people made 20 trips from their house to their truck without uttering a single word to each other? If they were in a big hurry or they thought somebody was maybe spying on them, then the question that has to be asked is why? But the surveillance video was disturbing for other reasons as well. In it... Graffiti can be seen sprayed on the side of the storage container. Sherilyn had told neighbors she believed that she was a witch and that these were important self-protective messages that she had sprayed on the container. A friend of Sherilyn's told the police that sometimes she would conduct seances, though Sherilyn took them much more seriously than her friend did. She had written odd messages in the storage container about her black cats being poisoned as she believed that someone from her neighborhood had killed her cats. And witches did not like it when their cats were killed. As you can imagine, Sherilyn's neighbors found the behavior extremely off-putting, and they avoided the Jameson family like the plague. I'm gonna go ahead. And I think I think the mom killed the, the whole family. Yeah, with the bipolar disorder. Yeah, possibly. I think that's it. Yeah, but I mean, she could have been under a spell. I guess. Absolutely. A spell that she put herself under. Yeah. Dude, that's very feasible. Of course, that's exactly what they wanted. Both friends and family agreed with the Jamesons that their home was haunted, but few have ever shared that they too experienced anything odd inside the house. But with severe depression and paranoia looming large over the family, it's not hard to imagine that the house had a heavy feel to it. This is, this is other neighbors thinking that maybe that their house was haunted, and, uh, but nobody experienced anything? Nobody experienced anything. So how isolated were they in the mountains? It sounds like they had people that were fairly close enough that... 
probably within miles of them, like like you would imagine in a mountain community. I don't know how I would imagine a mountain community. Probably pretty spread out. I mean, it's been not to like a, I've been to a cabin in a, the mountains. A city boys. That's true. I guess when we go to a cabin, usually you can barely see the other cabin next door. Something like maybe something like that. So, on October eighth, two thousand nine, the Jamison family loaded in their pickup truck, headed into the mountains, and were never seen from again. When the Jamisons weren't heard from for several days, a search for the family began in earnest. After eight days of hunting for their whereabouts, the police located the family's truck, and that's where things really started to get weird. The truck turned up in Latimer County, about an hour drive from the Jamisons' home. Based on the contents of the truck, it didn't appear that the Jamisons planned on being away for a long period. Bobby and Sherilyn's cell phones, wallets, Sherilyn's purse, and the family's malnourished dog were all located inside the truck, along with a GPS, handful of maps, and $32,000 in cash. The truck was in good condition, and there were no signs that an accident had occurred. Friends and family were stunned by the large amount of cash found in the truck, as both Bobby and Sherilyn were on disability at the time of their disappearance. Where the money came from is a mystery, and some suggest that the cash was a result of the couple's involvement in drug dealing. However, those who knew Bobby and Sherilyn struggled to accept that the couple would have brought their young daughter with them to conduct a drug deal. Although police located the Jamison's truck, their starving dog, and other belongings, it wouldn't be until November 16, 2013, that the Jamisons themselves were found. On that day, just three miles from where the truck was located, hunters discovered the skeletal remains of two adults and one child. Forensic testing confirmed that the remains belonged to Bobby, Sherilyn, and Madison Jameson. How many miles away? Three miles from where the truck was located. It took them four years to find three bodies three miles away. Yeah, but three miles in the mountains is its a lot more than three miles straight, straight down the road. I mean, I wouldn't want to be climbing up and down the mountains. There are many theories about what happened to the Jamesons. Number one, the Jamesons were members of a satanic cult. Sherilyn's mother, Connie Cockerton, claims that her daughter, son-in-law, and granddaughter were on an Oklahoma cult hit list. She stated that part of Oklahoma is known for that, cults and stuff. From what I've been told and what I've read, I was told that they were on the cult's hit list. Mrs. Cockatan didn't provide the name of the alleged cult, nor have police found any links to one. She went on to say that there is no way that Bobby and Sherilyn would have put their daughter in danger, but I'm not so sure. You gotta do something pretty awful to be on a cult's hit list. Oh yeah, like that. Especially if you're part of the cult. Yeah, and like these people just followed them to the mountains? I guess so. Mm. That's pretty, I mean, I've never been involved in a cult, but. No, I don't want to be. Devil don't want to be. No. Number two, could have been a meth deal gone wrong. That area of Oklahoma where the Jameson family lived, as well as the area that they were hoping to move to, is well known for its drug activity, namely methamphetamine. There's quite a bit of support to the notion of that, that the Jamesons' death was the result of a botched drug deal. So, from what I hear, when you're on meth, it, you can stay up for hours and days on end. Mm-hmm. Maybe that could be the zombie-like activity or just yeah. personalities that they were portraying. So, if you watch the surveillance video again, where Bobby and Sherilyn were seen packing their truck, the two also appeared uh, emaciated. So, not that everyone that does meth necessarily loses weight. Uh, but many do. Um, some meth users end up looking like they haven't eaten in years. 
Drugs would also explain the large sum of money found in the Jameson's truck. No one knows where the money came from or what the couple planned to do with that money. Bobby and Sherilyn were both on disability and struggling financially, so how did they get their hands on $32,000? Yeah, that's a lot of money. I mean, it's a lot it, of money to have, to have in hand. Yeah, to have it one time, yeah. To have it in cash, too. I mean, for those of us fans of the Breaking Bad TV show, you know, they dealt in those kind of large figures all the time. I mean, it's 2009. You would think they'd be pretty pretty easily able to track whether or not they took out $32,000 in oh, cash from their bank. Absolutely. So, But if they're struggling financially and they're on disability, there's no way that they'd have that kind of money saving. Right. So obviously somebody gave it to them or they stole it. One theory is that the Jamesons stumbled upon illegal drug activity, saw more than they were supposed to, and were killed to keep them quiet. This seems odd, however, that the killer or killers didn't take the cash in the truck. It could have been left there to not raise suspicions, but that seems unlikely. Mm, seems odd. That one seems a little off. Yeah, it's a little stretch, maybe. How, how'd the money get in the, in the truck? True. However, the killer or killers did not take the cash in the truck. Yeah. So it could have been left there as to not raise suspicions, but that seems... Yeah, it seems so unlikely because the reason you would be selling drugs, drugs to begin with is to make money. So if you see a bag of cash in a car, you're going to do what you can to steal that money, especially if the people that that saw you do it, you just killed them. Oh, for sure. There, I, I can't believe that that is a uh, that's actually a a theory. The mountain range that they were found in is known for having many meth labs, and Bobby had recently reported someone in the local area for running one. The family could have been victims of revenge as well. Potentially. Mm. I don't know yeah, about that. But still with revenge, they're going to want that cash. They're going to want that money. That's what I'm thinking. If I'm going to kill someone, I'm going to take the money that they have. Yeah, right. I'm just going to leave there. it in the truck. Especially if there's a dog in the truck. I'll I kind of feel like too. I kind of feel like you would at least open the car and let the dog out. and You notice all that money plus a purse. Absolutely. A GPS, you can sell that. Number three, a murder-suicide. The Jameson home was not a happy place. Bobby and Sherilyn's relationship wasn't a stable one. Investigators discovered just how shaky their relationship was when they discovered an 11-page hate letter from Sherilyn to Bobby in the family's truck. In that letter, she raged against her husband, calling him a loner and a hermit who didn't care about his daughter. It was a laundry list of things she hated about Bobby, including the fact that she wanted a divorce. The theory is supported by the fact that Sherilyn was also known to own a 22 caliber pistol that she carried with her in the truck. Furthermore, the coroner found a small hole in Bobby's skull that might have been from a bullet. Although police ultimately concluded that it was not from a bullet, local hunters disagreed. However, neither Sherilyn nor Madison had any injuries to suggest that they had been shot. Moreover, the gun had never been found. If Sherilyn had used it to kill her and her family, one would think it would have been found at the crime scene or somewhere close by, and that all three family members would have been shot. Well, so twenty-two is a very small caliber bullet. You have to be pretty close range for it to very true for it to really do some damage. Um, you know that's, but there's still no gun there, so I don't yeah. see how it could be murder suicide because a gun's not going to, you know, disintegrate like a body does. Mm-hmm. It would just lay there. Sure. Plus, I kind of like this theory, even though the gun can't be find, found. But I do like the theory that maybe Cheryl had Cheryl Lynn had something to do with uh, killing her husband. But I yep. don't know why she would kill her daughter. So while this seems probably more of the 
the more plausible that it's a murder suicide. I don't think that it was a gun. That was the tool used. I I'm also curious about this 11 page hate letter. So I didn't find much more information on it. That it was never released as far as the contents of the letter, other than um, what was discussed. But that one seems interesting to me that she would write an 11-page hate letter basically outlining why she hated her husband and wanting a divorce. And why she kept it on her. Yeah. Why was it in the truck? And is this like college rule or wide rule? I would <laughs> imagine wide rule. Because this is like 11 pages is a lot of just substance of anything. I don't know if I remember writing an 11-page paper in high school, or college for that matter. White supremacists. In 2010, shortly after the Jameson story appeared on the investigation of Discovery show disappeared, the lead detective received a strange phone call suggesting that yet another theory as to what happened to the struggling family. The caller, who was a woman, informed the detective that she had belonged to a white supremacy group and that she had seen a book containing the names of people that someone in the group had a problem with and who needed to be taken care of. She said that she tried to memorize the names in the book and would go home and look them up on the internet, many of which came back as missing person cases, including the Jamesons. The woman also told the detective about the insignia on Bobby's wedding ring, which she claims very few people knew about. She said she overheard conversations with these guys they were clearly talking about Sherilyn, Bobby, and Madison, and that they took care of them. The caller added another disturbing detail. Supposedly, one of the guys had talked about how he liked to put Madison on his lap, and it would make him feel good. Prior to the Jamesons' disappearance, a man stayed with the family who expressed Sherilyn his displeasure over her Native American heritage. He reportedly told her that he hated Indians and anyone who wasn't white. Fearful of what he might do to Madison, Sherilyn pointed a gun at him and forced him to leave the house. The man had a solid alibi, so police dismissed him as a suspect, but it's at least possible that he had connections to white supremacists and that Sherilyn's name would have wound up on that hit list. Oh, well, if he was a white supremacist too, that again makes me wonder, why would a white supremacy group target another white supremacist? Unless it was because... Bobby was a white supremacist because Sherilyn um, had Native American heritage. Ah. Also, Sherilyn is being accused of a witch, or is a self-proclaimed witch. True. That's is is. very true. Now the last one is the strangest, and it blurs the lines between the explainable and the paranormal. The 35th degree latitude or the line of tragedy. It's along the 35th degree latitude that a whole string of brutal murders have occurred, including the shocking case of Andrea Pia Kennedy Yates, a Houston woman suffering from postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis, who on June 20th, 2001, murdered all five of her children by drowning them in a bathtub. Another famous murder that occurred along this line was the horrific murder of Pastor Carol Daniels, whose mutilated corpse was found up propped behind the church altar in a crucifix position a murder that was widely believed to be tied to satanic activity. The 35th degree latitude was also where Timothy McVeigh carried out the bombing of the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building in Oklahoma, which killed 168 people and injured nearly 700 others. And where did the Jamesons go missing? The 35th degree latitude. Is this all mere coincidence? Or is something more sinister at work? Were they like spread out nicely on the line? Because that would be like... If I was to kill somebody on the 35th degree latitude, I would place them in a line. That's very true. I just feel like that would be poetic. It's a, it's a very interesting 
just fact there. Like, it's just interesting. It's it's a little yeah. bit of a creepy, you know, coincidence maybe. Yeah, but what is what does a, a, a latitude line have to do with with the, is it like cursed? Well, nobody knows. So the the only connection to this is an additional murder. I'm sorry, the vanishing of Timothy Raymond. He visited Ufala, which is the same city that the Jamesons were from, and proceeded to disappear. The police would later find his abandoned truck at the highway crossroads near Wetumpka, Oklahoma, lying on the 35th degree north latitude. Sounds like a cursed line. Nothing's been proven. It's just a conspiracy theory, but it's the one that I like the most. Hey, it's a that's a pretty credible conspiracy theory, though. I mean, everything is on that same longitudinal line. So when you start looking at everything that goes on on that line, that's a lot of stuff that happened. That is a, a lot of stuff. It's almost like if you tracked it on a map, you could probably create a weird, a weird map that shows all the murders that happened, all the all the weird things. I really want to know though, like why the thirty fifth line? It's not even like thirty five is not even a, uh, it's not even a. a a creepy number. Yeah, it's not like anything sinister about it. No, no. Is there like something that happened like underneath the 35th line or anything like that that maybe this this would have to take a whole – we could probably do a whole other episode on the 35th degree latitude. Yeah, I mean the, there is a lot and I'd love for us to do another episode on it because I feel like it, it could definitely get unpacked a whole lot more. I do like this theory. I think the one that I lean to the most though is probably the one – uh, the one that that she's a I, I would co- probably combine a few different theories that she's a witch, self-proclaimed witch with bipolar disorder and perhaps part of a satanic cult that summoned a demon. But then you have to believe in demons and whether or not they actually could haunt a family. But I I, I buy that I buy the yeah. whole witch thing. Yep, I mean it could be a could have been a sacrifice of sorts. Mm-hmm. The cause of death, death really throws me off. Like, how can there not be a clear cause of death? You know, most of the time, a case with so many potential leads is an investigator's dream come true. Not in the case of the Jameson family. There are so many leads and so many different possibilities to consider, yet all those leads have led to dead ends. And each question has only led to more questions. The autopsies provide no answers. The bodies were so badly decomposed that animals had had their way with the bones that the cause of death could not be determined. This is definitely one of those cases where the unknowns outweigh the facts. Between the crazy backstory and mysterious events surrounding the disappearance and ultimate death, there's no doubt that this story is grim from beginning to end. Yep, I'd love to see this uh, video footage, surveillance footage. That would be interesting as well. I would also love to watch the surveillance footage. Yeah, when you're talking about it, I'm just... Do you have it? Can you pull it up real quick? Yeah, absolutely. And we can definitely post it to the website as well Mm -hmm. for all of our listeners to go and uh, check it out. Because I'm just picturing, you know, I'm picturing like a black and white, very ominous looking kind of surveillance footage. I may be way off, but... Kind of like what you see of those ring doorbells now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those fr- those videos freak me out. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like the Paranormal Activity movies. You yeah, know, like because it's just such raw footage. Yeah, I'm I I'm weirded out every time I look at uh, my son's video footage in his nursery because I'm afraid I'm always going to see something weird in it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I will tell you as we kind of bring this footage up. You know, obviously it's the the frame the missing frames, but they just walk past each other, back and forth, loading up the truck sometimes with nothing in their hands, sometimes with stuff in their hands, back and forth. And is that two different forth. people or is that 
the same people. It looked like the guy, like there was another third person. Didn't it? There looked like at a certain point like in the right video. There, like yeah. it's a gray, like a darker gray shirt compared to the white shirt. That's the kid. Isn't that the little girl? No, the little girl's six years old. So you have a woman in a yellow shirt and you have a man in a white shirt. But then all of a sudden, in a couple of frames of the video, you do see a man in a gray shirt. Yeah, like almost like a dark charcoal color shirt. So who's the third man? That's a question. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed that story as much as I had researching it. I, I had a blast because I love stories that leave me with more questions than answers. Oh, for sure. I got kind of like a numb chilling just after watching that video. Oh, yeah. Very, very weird. This episode was written by Jeremy Thompson with discussion from Joey Thompson and Brian McIntyre and was recorded at Starscream Studio. Grayson over at Starscream is an incredible producer and engineer, so be sure to visit starscreamstudio.com for all your tracking and recording needs. Additional audio support by Will Compton and original music composed by Nick McClure. Be sure to subscribe, and when you do, drop a line in the comments and say hi. We want to hear your grim stories, too. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode.